This is Wellness Wednesday from The Current. I'm Jill Riley. Now, today's topic, we're going to be talking about youth mental health and how we can support young people as they return to school with the Delta variant surging. And like I've said in the past, I don't have all the answers, and that's why I call on an expert. And on the line, I've got Dr. Nancy Roy, Chief Clinical Officer at the Jed Foundation. Now, she has over 20 years of experience as a psychologist working in college mental health and is a senior advisor for the National College Depression Partnership. And her publications have focused on effective strategies for treatment and management of at-risk students on college campuses. Good morning, Dr. Nancy Roy. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you so much for joining us for Wellness Wednesday. Now, I mentioned the Jed Foundation. Can we get a little background on what that foundation is all about? Sure. So the Jed Foundation is a nonprofit whose mission is to promote the emotional well-being of teens and young adults toward the end of hoping to reduce suicides and substance misuse. We have, for in I think, our 21st year um, and work primarily with high schools and colleges and more recently um, work organizations promoting emotional well-being and hoping to reduce suicides as a result. Well, I know that there's, um, you know, a lot of stress for young people as they're thinking about heading back to school. You know, there are a lot of challenges each year facing um, our youth as they return to school. But, you know, the past couple of years have been very different. What are some of those challenges facing young people as as they return to in-person learning during a global pandemic? Yeah, so there are multiple challenges, I'm afraid. And we're hearing from many schools that we work with across the country Um, about how they're trying to plan and prepare. I think one of the things that we've all recognized is that, and the data has borne out to be true, you know, students are experiencing increased feelings of anxiety, depression, loneliness, isolation during this past year and a half. Not necessarily, you know, reaching clinical diagnoses, although some are, um, but, but truly feeling an increase in feeling anxious and depressed and lonely and isolated. And so I think in returning to school, there's Many, many students are apprehensive about how they're going to reacclimate to in-person learning. For many students, they feel that they have fallen behind academically. Mm. Um, there, are, there are a number, as you know, I mean, the disparities have become glaring. You know, those students who may not have access to high-speed internet or envir- home environments that allowed for online learning in a convenient way. So I think we're, we're certainly going to see a number of academic challenges and sort of a need for, if you will, catch up for some of our students. And then I think with the Delta variant looming large, there's a lot of anxiety about the uncertainty of what might unfold when students get back to school. You know, are they going to be able to remain on campus, you know, in-person learning? Are they going to suddenly have to switch to remote again? Mm -hmm. And it's that sense of the unknown, really, that creates the most anxiety for our young people. I'm talking to Dr. Nancy Roy, and we're talking about um, youth mental health, how we can, you know, give support to young people, you know, various challenges that young people are facing as it's back to school time. Um, I guess my question here is, you know, how can we facilitate supportive conversations with young people to get them to talk about how they're feeling? Now, I have a five-year-old son. He is generally pretty open when I when I ask him, you know, how are you feeling? But I imagine someday when he's 13, 14, that conversation might be a little harder to kind of pry out the information. So, you know, how can we get those conversations going? So I think 
I, I like to say this is not rocket science. Mm-hmm. I think we all actually do this every day in our day-to-day lives with friends, colleagues, you know, family members. It, it's really, you know, not necessarily waiting until we see someone, you know, breaking down in crisis or crying or, you know, visibly distraught, but really starting when so that light bulb goes off in your mind, like, huh, looks like something might be up with Nancy today. Let me reach out. Mm-hmm. And simply to say, hey, I noticed Let's, for example, say a teacher. I notice you've been, you know, more quiet in class than usual. Um, you know, can I help? Is anything going on? It, it's really offering just a warm hand, you know, a friendly, supportive outreach from someone who is organically in the student's world, whether that's a parent, whether that's a teacher, whether that's a coach. So trying to develop an atmosphere, especially in our schools, of compassion and caring, where there's no wrong door to walk through for support, where everyone is ready and available to offer a warm hand. Certainly no, if a student reveals a crisis, you know, where to get them connected to professional help if it's needed. But more often than not, it's that sort of just in the moment, almost I would say almost casual you know, conversation, gee, how's it going? I've noticed X, Y, or Z, whatever it is that you can name that you've noticed that's causing you to reach out. And then just, is everything okay? Well, and you um, mentioned, you know, if there's something, well, I've noticed you've been kind of quiet, or maybe I've noticed, you know, some different behaviors, right? Well, I guess Mm -hmm. I wonder, you know, what are some warning signs that, that a student might be kind of at risk or in trouble? Right. And so in addition to perhaps not presenting in their normal way, like being quiet or not turning in assignments or what have you, you know, change in appearance. Um, And for folks at home, you know, what about sleep? You know, sleep disrupted, is appetite disrupted? Are students or their or children not engaging with friends as much as they used to? Are they spending more and more time alone? Um, These are some of the things that I think you would see, you know, in their daily living uh, where you could easily point to you know, gee, you've been sleeping a lot, or you haven't been sleeping at all, or, you, you know, your appetite seems to be gone, or you haven't, you know, talked with your six friends that you normally think as thieves with. So uh, those are some of the signs, uh, I think, that, and isolation um, as well, that parents and teachers both um, can be looking for as warning signs. I'm talking with Dr. Nancy Roy, Chief Clinical Officer at the Jed Foundation, and we're talking about youth mental health, how to support kids as they return to school with, you know, the Delta variant surging and some of the unknowns for this school year. And I just have a question about the word resiliency. Are young people as resilient as society kind of believes them to be? You know, we hear, especially at the college level, that they are seeing increasing numbers of students coming through their doors that do not have the same level of resilience as perhaps they were seeing, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. I think two things. I think in large measure that's due to the fact that we have a generation of young people who have come through the ranks oftentimes for, for many of them, not for all, but for many of them, with their parents sort of taking care of any obstacle that they have come their way. You know, going to the teacher for the student if they got a bad grade or the coach if they didn't make a team or, you know, planning out their this activity, that activity, this play date. And so I think in many ways we've done our young people a disservice by really precluding them any opportunity to navigate conflict or, you know, work through a challenge on their own so that they can then 
have that feeling of resilience when they've worked through something and they've made it to the other side. I think while well-intentioned, many parents have, if you will, impeded their ability to develop resilience. I will say, however, on the other hand, that I do think the pandemic has resulted in many students having to find their way Uh um, and work through. And I think that has contributed to the development of better resilience skills for our youth. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, it took the pandemic, <laughs> um, but but I think it's sort of a, it may have provided an opportunity to, to build up those resilient skills um, that have been lacking for the reasons that I just cited. Yeah, well, I was just thinking about when I was growing up, you know, I never heard the term, you know, it's okay to not be okay, because, you know, my parents were of the generation is that you just keep pushing forward and, you know, we, we all go through hard times and we just kind of work hard and keep our heads down and we press on, you know. So that was the thing that was really stuck in my head. That's what I grew up with. And I don't really know that that was resilience or not, but it was certainly hard for me to to admit to others or to even ask for, for help when I needed it. Um, and I wonder if that's kind of part of it, too, is this, I guess, kind of a changing idea of, you know, maybe kids feeling more comfortable with admitting when it's when things aren't going well. We have found, especially with our young people, that stigma is on the decline for mm-hmm. sure, which is great. You know, be, be having folks feel freer and more open to discuss when things aren't going well. Um, but, but to your point about how you grew up with your family sort of um, philosophy, I think it's really a both and. Okay. I think it it's okay not to be okay, and at the same time, <laughs> you know, here are some things that perhaps we can think about together that might help you to feel better Mm -hmm. so that you're both helping the student have a sense of agency in working acknowledging first and validating their feeling or concern or challenge and then at the same time talking through with them what are some things they might be able to do to feel better or help themselves yeah that there's a solution you know as part of uh, yeah as part of it well, I wonder if you have just any final thoughts before we wrap up here, um, kind of the best way forward during the Delta variant surge as young people are headed back to school, you know, whether it be little kids and pre-K all the way up through college students. Well, I think the one thing I would add that I think we often forget about <laughs> is to remind parents, caregivers, teachers, Uh, Those people who are interacting with with young people on a daily basis to also remember to take care of themselves, uh, you know, to practice self-care, to be a role model (laughs) for their young people. But really, if we're going to be able to help our young people transition and sort of resume, you know, their studies, their daily living, um, then we also need to be well ourselves in order to do that to help them. So so not to forget to take care of yourself in the process of helping our youth. That's great advice. Dr. Nancy Roy, Chief Clinical Officer at the Jed Foundation. Thank you for joining me for Wellness Wednesday. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Wellness Wednesday from The Current. I'm Jill Riley. Our producer is Anna Weggle, and our digital producer is Jay Gabler. Our theme music is a portion of the song FB1 Number 2 by Christian Bjorklund under the non-commercial Sharealike 3.0 international license. Head to thecurrent.org for more wellness content and great music.